0: Welcome to This Crip Life, a place where you can meet disabled people and learn about the things that affect them. This is an Asheville FM podcast produced by DIY Able. Everyone, I'm so excited to have a close good friend Chris Blackstone
1: hello my name is Chris Blackstone and I have been totally blind for my entire life practically ever since I was six months old I mean it's it's all I've known and to put it into terms I mean you know I get I get a lot of questions about what it's like and hopefully I'll be able to answer a lot of those questions yeah. so you know, right let's
0: just talk about growing up blind like um it's all you've ever known so you kind of had to figure out how to navigate the world kind of figure it out on your own correct
1: yes and I had a lot of help like uh, going all the way back to even to preschool I had Really, you know, really good teachers, really good people who they, they, their tireless efforts made, you know, helped make me who I am. And <clears throat> the fact that they realized that I, you know, I have potential even with my visual impairment, to really become a contributing member of society and to be totally independent. I mean, granted, there are some things, there are some skills I am kind of lacking right now, and I I realize that, and those, you know, I'm kind of reaching out to people and agencies to see what sort of help they can provide in terms of getting those skills that I am kind of lacking. And and I know my my big one right now is cooking, which is, okay, you know, I could throw something in the microwave, that's no big, but, you know, I had some training with using, uh, like, the stove and the oven and stuff like that. And when I left the center where I'd gotten that training, um, I lost... majority of that because um, you know my grandparents totally insisted on on still doing it they didn't you know they didn't want me uh, really utilizing those skills and I really felt like that was you know that was just a a bad you know a bad deal right there I mean there was one there was there came a time when because my grandmother used to do all of our laundry and stuff there came a time where I had to do it. I had to do not only my laundry, but uh, my grandparents' laundry because she uh, acquired or she ended up being diagnosed with a rare condition known as Alexander's Syndrome, which is a degenerative disease that ultimately will leave someone wheelchair-bound. And not very able to uh, do a lot for themselves. Uh, that's, I mean, it is kind of hard to talk about because uh, I always known my grandmother to be, you know, like, go anywhere do anything kind of person. Like, she, even when it's hot as heck out on Saturday morning, or not Saturday morning, but on Saturdays, I would actually heard her out there you know uh tending to the backyard making sure it was you know decent or out there or she'd be out there playing with the dog or something like that Mm -hmm. so
0: yeah that's important i think that's like a really important lesson because i actually meet a lot of disabled kids you know that were born with their disability or nearly born Mm -hmm. with their disability like you and you know like family is great it's great when you have family like you had your grandparents and that's so great you had that support growing up but out of their care and love for you they don't they don't want you to do things like cooking and i always think at a certain age that's when you need to start being like okay now you need to cook it and you know your grandmother unfortunately you know acquired a disability of her own. And that's so important for us (laughs) to remember that, you know, disability is, you know, it doesn't pick and choose. It just happens. And, um, exactly. And so, yeah. So, you know, a lot of kids that I meet, their parents do it, but I, I always like to say, you know, one day your mom or dad or your grandparents, they're going to get to the point where they can't do things for you because they're going to become older and acquire their own disabilities yeah. and they physically won't be able to help you so why don't we start teaching these skills before that happens and you know, right. and that's something and actually, I think is really important
1: Go ahead. that was one of the things I really got um, like I got used to doing stuff like vacuuming and stuff like that when i was in you know when i was younger because that was one of the things i i took on as a chore you know i still had you know i still had household chores that i did like a, a vacuuming uh my my room uh, the what we had we had this uh, one house we lived in that had a room that came off the, the dining room that was more of a playroom
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that uh you know i remember Spending time, you know, vacuuming that thing with that room. And that was, you know, I got used to learning. I got, I learned how to do that at a very young age. Nowadays, I'm having to get used to mopping uh, hard floors, which I will say for somebody who is visually impaired, and I've actually talked to a number of people who are mm-hmm. and would agree with me on this, that having the, the, uh, the swiffers is actually a great it's a great thing to have because you know you just put the pad on the the bottom of this little uh thing that uh sprays out uh cleaning solution onto your floor and you just do the same motion you do as if you were vacuuming so it's practically the same kind of motion
0: Yeah. So people, I just think a lot of people don't understand how things like Swiffers and a lot of the modern things that have come out actually help disabled people a lot. So it's like really, I mean, for me, like I like the Swiffer too, for the (laughs) same reason, because I'm in a wheelchair and, you know, doing a mop and bucket and all that stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. in a wheelchair, it's like difficult. i have to drag the around with me and you know so like having a unit oh, that's, that's like all in one is it's it's really great so but um it is yeah yeah it is i don't know i when you mentioned the swiffer i was like i love the swiffer it's great i love it um so <laughs> those unfortunately i'm not getting sponsorship from swiffer so just to put that out there. Swiffer is not sponsoring this interview. Yeah. Um, so I know. <laughs> um, so um, you mentioned like you had really great teachers. so I, I'm gonna assume that your education in high school you you know went pretty well. you didn't, weren't blocked. Did you have obstacles? like in your education, your basic education?
1: um the big one being that i had to you know, of course have all my stuff all my stuff either transcribed into braille or have it read which is not a bad thing i mean i it kind of limited what cl- uh, how many classes i could take at like at the local uh public schools in Fremont, California mm-hmm. and actually it was great because I went part-time to the public school for uh, starting from elementary and uh ended up going you know doing the rest of my classes at the school for the blind like uh gym class was one of them uh which if you've ever been to the school for the blind in fremont it's it's a nice campus i'll tell you i mean the only school I know of where you could actually swim year-round, because <laughs> the pool was indoors. is great. great. Um, I, <clears throat> I mean, I even had to, you know, I even learned to make my bed at a young age. I mean, that was one of the first things I learned when I was in the dormitories at the School for the Blind. Uh, let's do that so that's not disturbing me. <laughs> I had to turn off... Uh, Text to speech on uh, events on this app I use called Team Talk. Okay, I kind of got off track here. It's okay. So really, learning about that kind of stuff, learning that stuff at a young age is always a great thing. Um, at first, I didn't, you know, I didn't really embrace the fact that I, you know, I have a, I, I'm disabled and I'm going to have to deal with this the rest of my life. I I had trouble embracing that. And really living on living it. And a music instructor at school for the blind who he himself was also totally blind. He um, you know he you know he gave uh, gave me and some other folks uh, some real world experiences that he went through where he you know didn't you know, he didn't like using the cane at some point and actually ended up taking a tumble as a result and I'm thinking to myself, uh, yeah. Okay. I see exactly why now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So eventually I had to I had to totally just, you know, get into, well, accepting it and moving on, you know, moving forward. And I figure that was the only way I was going to really make it
0: to use the to use the equipment that was you know invented or whatever you want to call it like created yes for you know for people like me or you like for me <clears throat> the wheelchair for you your <laughs> king so
1: right it's kind of like I'm surprised that being doing you know being that I know as many people as I do who uses wheelchairs on a daily basis uh I honestly would not even mind uh, getting certified to repair them. Of course, I'd probably be the first visually impaired person to actually get such a certification. But, you know, that that would be a whole other topic in itself.
0: I know, we'll have to do another interview about that. Um, So, uh, yeah, so your basic education... I feel like people really supported you to move on to go to college. And I know you're an it person. So what, like, you know, do you want to talk about that? Like being an it. Person? Indeed.
1: So I'm going to have to go back a little bit here. Cause yeah, go for it. I kind of started getting into working with computers, going all the way back to when I was still at the school for the blind. And I had a, really, really good um instructor for, you know, he that ran the computer lab and he um you know I told him I said, you know, as far as note takers, I want to try this one, because um, you know, try, you know, getting to know or using this particular note taker. And, you know, he actually would not only let me do that but he also gave me the manual so that I could I had something to refer back to you know for the commands and stuff <clears throat> to describe what a note taker is um, a Braille note taker it uses it has the same keys a keyboard kind of like what I have you know it it's the Braille keyboard like I'm gonna I'm gonna show one here show a similar. This uh, device I have in my hand is the Orbit Reader 20. And not only is it a braille display, but it's also a note taker, because it has the braille keyboard on top here. And it has the braille display below it, which is a it's a 20 cell display. I actually, I gotta get ready to pack this thing up pretty soon, <clears throat> but, um, Really, it started from there, and then once I left the School for the Blind, and I got into other, you know, uh, the training center that I went to up in Albany, the Orientation Center for the Blind, I couldn't really pursue my, um, my interest in computer hardware until after that, like after I graduated from from the orientation center for the blind and for anyone who is not familiar with this program what it is is you you go to this this center it's a dormitory situation and each day with exception to the weekends you have classes everything from uh, resource management you know dealing with uh yeah, balancing you know balancing a checkbook, anything like that, um, all the way down to cleaning, to cooking, to um, just general daily tasks that someone in the sighted world would take for granted, but you're learning it in more in a fashion that is totally blind friendly. Um, the program usually lasts about six months to a year, and I finished the program in seven months. And they also they also teach uh, orientation and mobility, which is anything from cane travel to taking the bus or BART or on your own. Uh, I came in there with a lot with some a lot of advanced mobility training, so I pretty much went straight into, uh, you know, just perfecting my street crossings, you know, like listening for the parallel traffic and stuff like that and make sure I'm lined up
0: Mm -hmm.
1: all the way down to bus travel and even traveling on BART on my own, which I had done so many times before I could still do it even to this day if... I was to go and meet somebody who lived in the East Bay or out on the peninsula, Mm -hmm. any of those areas.
0: Yeah. And I actually lived in the Bay Area, so I actually use the BART a lot in the wheelchair. And so I, yeah, I, I, I I love the BART. It's really fun. It's really fun, public transportation
1: i'm guessing that you've had some not too nice experiences with the elevators
0: oh yeah so that was my problem with the bart like the bart i liked it was easy like you know like in the subway in new york Mm -hmm. there's like a huge gap between the platform and the actual train where my wheels Mm -hmm. my wheels could like literally you know if they're turned wrong they would dip into the you know the gap but you know Ah. the bay area had a little gap but it wasn't as big and you know i could get over it but yeah there's a bit a couple of times where i went and the elevator wasn't working at the station and there was no and i would always call the you know the hot i don't know it wasn't a hotline but a line
1: 511
0: yeah the 511 to find out Mm -hmm. what was going on but they didn't have it and then i'd get there and i'd be like what and fortunately for me i do have the ability so like what i would do when things like that happen i would just ask people like hey can you do me a favor i'm gonna phone my wheelchair in half can you just carry it down to the bottom of the staircase and i'll just you know shuffle down on my butt and get to the Mm -hmm. wheelchair because you know they were like oh go to the next station then push your wheelchair down like a couple you know three or four blocks to get to and mm. i was just like i don't want to do that i just want to get off here but and i can do this and i don't have to do that oh. so you know i felt like physically the exertion i was putting into pushing to the the four blocks i had to do and going down i'm
1: also stairs on I'm my also butt referring to cleanliness as well oh
0: as yeah the cleanliness well
1: they oh man
0: yeah i don't know like
1: they're so bad about that yeah Man, they're I, getting I they're had, so much better now i
0: had gloves on so you know like my wheelchair yeah. gloves that was when i used a manual wheelchair mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. and of course with a power chair i can't do something like that because nope. Obviously, but in the power chair i'm not going to have to exert exert four blocks like going four blocks mm-hmm. in the power chair is really nothing so doing that in the power chair like getting off getting back on getting off at the next stop turning back around so yeah so like in the but yeah you know the cleanliness I did think about that but I was just like you know whatever my mm-hmm. pants would get dirty in my hands I just wash my hands wherever I the next right. you know the place I could so yeah I didn't but yeah the BART I did like it but yeah that was the one thing was the elevators not working was a total stopper stopper so um so that's great you like acquired those skills because you know that helps you have independence as a disabled person which is fantastic so
1: um what what really bothers me so much uh is when i go into a place that has multiple levels
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and like you know into a department store or into the shopping or into a shopping mall and i'll ask where is the escalator or where's the stairs and they'll try to point me to the elevator i'm thinking uh excuse me (laughs) i'm blind i can walk up the steps just fine thank you (laughs) and you know i'm I, i i try to be really polite especially with these you know, especially when you get people that this is not their fur this is not um like America is not their first place that right. they grew up in That's not the first culture that they grew up in so that so they're not exactly sure how somebody who is they're they're surprised when they see that someone in my position and here I'm walking around on my own i'm taking uber and lyft i'm you know going and getting groceries and doing all this stuff on my own and there are times i've actually um talked to uh what do you call it okay um let me do this okay that I have to meet my my screen reader because it's driving me nuts with all the Facebook uh, messages. But ultimately, I like when I get somebody who say who, you know, asks you know, hey, how do you how do you do this or how do you do that? You know, because then that gives me that gives an opening to okay, here's we can have a dialogue here about like, kind of like what we're doing right now. You know, we're,
0: it's a teaching moment. It's like, you, oh yeah. you grasp those opportunities to be able to teach someone
1: prior to my moving in or to getting the place that I, you know, getting my section eight and getting the place that I'm getting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was looking at rooms for rent. excuse me. And the gentleman that I, I went to visit, um, who had a room open it it wasn't a very big room I mean, it was probably about the size of a I mean it was exactly the size of a, a small bedroom mm-hmm. literally it was like a 10 10 by 6 or something like that mm-hmm. and it was you know he asked me he says how do you how do you navigate around being without sight i mean I'm, he was kind of concerned about some things and i'm like that those things won't be a problem here's you know here's how i do it and when i saw him when i met him um the whole time I'm going through the place i'm literally mapping out in my head where things are All right so i'm like oh okay so this is this room faced out into the backyard which was kind of interesting so what i had to do if i was going to go from that room to the main house it's basically you know, okay come out make a left follow this wooden pathway till it ends make another left and there's the there's the sliding door go through that go through another sliding door and i'm in the kitchen it's like okay, and I had that whole I did that whole route with my friend and this gentleman watching, and they're like, he he hit the turn before we before we even saw it, and I'm like, oh yeah, because, <laughs> and it's weird because there'll be times I'll actually be giving um I'll actually give Lyft drivers and Uber drivers directions on how to get somewhere because (laughs) you never know when you get that driver that's not too familiar with the area and their gps is acting up which has happened before
0: right yeah it's really fascinating how uh people that are not disabled make assumptions they, they make these assumptions that if you're blind or you're paralyzed in a wheelchair, or if you have any kind of disability, that you just can't do anything. You just can't, you can't navigate through the world.
1: Oh man, that is, I'll tell you right now, if, if I ever heard anyone mention or kind of remotely come close to that, you know, to pulling that kind of a stereotype, Uh, you know, I would honestly tell them, hey, look, uh, I got news for you. (laughs) I'm totally blind and I'm living on my own and doing for myself. You know, and I I will politely remind them that you don't ever say that just because I have a disability that I can't do anything because I'm going to turn around. I'm going to have you, you know, if you're, if you're, Somewhere far, you know, if you're in another state or another city or whatever, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to go on video, and I'm going to be like, okay, if you think I can't do something, um, here, allow me to demonstrate.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's the bet, And then, I don't know it's just like people are just like it just blows people's minds when they see disabled people like navigating things that they just think it can't be done so it's and then you know I do think the media plays a role in that right like TV shows and you know like news stories they always kind of frame it in that they do that someone's helpless and we celebrate it if someone can do things, but you know, it's just like most disabled people actually have figured out how to navigate the world. And it would be shocking, I think, to most non-disabled people
1: (laughs) about that. When you have a disability or when you are diagnosed with a disability, whether it be paralysis, um, Of of the lower extremities, whether you are uh, diagnosed quadriplegic, paraplegic, uh, blind, deaf, um, any number of things, you have two choices. One, you can play the poor me, pity party card, or two, you can, you know do the, the, the grieving process for a short time. And I do mean a short time. It doesn't have to be like months or years, but eventually you have to come to that realization that, okay, I have this disability. I need to, you know, move on. I need to, to learn ways to adapt. You have, and it's hard when you have lost your sight or when you're losing your sight later in life. And my ultimate goal, even with people who are nearly blind and being able to reach out to them and saying, Hey, look, I totally am in the position that you're going into now where you just lost your sight and you are now learning, now it happened to adapt. And a big part of me wants to reach out to these people even more so and say, hey, look, if you need resources, if you need if you need help learning something, great, let's sit down, let's work together, let's figure it out. Because I'm gonna to wanna to help that person eventually be able to say, oh, hey, okay, I can use the computer or I can, um, you know, clean my house, or I can, um, you know, prepare a meal, or I can take the bus, or Uber, or Lyft, and or I can use an iPhone or an Android, and Android phone. You know, that's. I I definitely encourage people who are just losing their sight or have lost their sight later in life to reach out and say hey look how do you do this or how do you do that you know can you you know walk me through some of this stuff and i think that is a huge thing where we can be mentors to people that have similar disabilities to what we have
0: yeah definitely i think yeah i just think uh older disabled people like us who have actually Mm -hmm dealt with the world we could definitely be mentors to younger people that are you know feeling you know like when you're young you just you just feel when you're young you like want to be like everyone else and you're trying to Mm -hmm. make yourself like everyone else and I just think when you're older you grow into yourself and you're proud of yourself instead of being ashamed of yourself so yeah I think a mentor is definitely something important to have for sure
1: and It's like um, I was talking to, like we were talking, I was talking to Vicky uh, briefly at the end of the meeting yesterday, and I was telling her, I said, you know, I know a guy who's in Canada. This guy, uh, his name is Tyson. He has CP, he's visually impaired, and wheelchair-bound. And the fact that this guy, that he's still doing it, even with, you know, there's times he, the people where he lives have asked him or have, have wanted to help him get back to his, his, his room or his area. And he's like, nope, <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things I really think needs to happen for people who are blind and wheelchair bound, which I have, I've run across my share of people in that situation They do have these wheelchairs that are... You can totally push them with one arm. I'm kind of doing the pushing motion with my left hand. Mm -hmm. And I know a guy who had one. Mm -hmm. And I was amazed when I saw this. I'm thinking, this is great because it allows him to not only use... You know, not only push the wheelchair... But at the same time, use his cane, or use a cane. Uh, Granted, it's a lot shorter cane, because he's using it while he's sitting down. Mm -hmm. So you can technically get away with a much shorter cane. But it's a nice little adaptation to, you know, and a nice little, a nice way to make things that much better for somebody who is blind and who is in a wheelchair.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And I think that the um I think that these need to be made more available to people who are in this situation. And see the problem i've run across and he's even told me this uh like they don't have medicare like we have here Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so you
0: oh your friends um, from it's friends in canada correct
1: yes okay yeah um there are some parts of canada that are more uh blind friendly like uh from what i understand toronto is Mm -hmm. very blind friendly uh just things like that. And I think that if we made, some, if more of these kind of devices are made available to people um, who need them, that increases their independence even more so. And I feel like one of the things that we we, as a disabled community, should really be doing is pushing for uh, grants, uh, uh, whether, you know, and also for funding to get more and more people who have a disability, who have disabilities so that they are more and more, so that they are as independent as possible.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And um, we've talked about, we just talked about this yesterday is, I mean, we were talking about Medicare, but it's just not Medicare. It's just people's mentality is one size fits all type of thing for disability, but it's just not true. Like your friend who is blind Mm -hmm. has CP, so he needs a wheelchair. Like Mm -hmm. having a wheelchair that where you can use one arm for the pushing and the other for the cane to, you know, to make sure Mm -hmm. you're not crashing into something, knowing when the road ends, all that sidewalk ends, all that kind of stuff is great. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so disabled people are all different, you know, so it's this kind of mentality that we have is one size fits all. Oh, you're disabled. Here's a wheelchair. Oh, you're disabled. But yeah, it's not disabled people are all different so my
1: problem with um how stuff how products for people with disabilities whether it be hearing aids for somebody who's deaf whether it be um wheelchairs whether it be uh just any sort of device that Help somebody with a disability be more independent. The costs for some of these devices are is is astronomical, yeah, especially definitely. when you consider like um, there's a program on the computer called Job Access with Speech, or JAWS for short, mm-hmm. uh, come out. It's put out by a company called Freedom Scientific. And for somebody to get this program, it's it was originally like 900 bucks for the program. And then you get so many updates or so many authorizations. Now they have it where it's still 100 bucks a year for a license. But that's still pretty steep when you consider that you've got to pay for all kinds of other stuff, including, you know, food rent clothing. Uh,
0: medical supplies.
1: Medical, you know, if you need a cane or you need, um, I don't see many people using talking watches as much. I see more, more uh, people who are visually impaired using uh, smart watches, like your Apple Watch or your Samsung Smart Watch, which I do have one.
0: Okay. I'm
1: actually uh, showing it to the camera.
0: Yeah, and I can see it. <laughs>
1: uh
0: huh. I can see it. So.
1: Indeed. And so having those kind of devices available is so big. And even your mainstream manufacturers like Samsung and like Apple, like Google, uh, there's a company called TechWatch or Tick Watch, I think it's called, um, making sure that these devices are accessible to somebody who is sight impaired is huge. Right.
0: Uh,
1: for anybody who has an Apple Watch, if you if you have an Apple Watch and you use a manual wheelchair, you can actually have your Apple Watch track the number of pushes per day that you do. Just like how my watch tracks uh, my step counts. Right, All right. And steps climbed, if, I climbed, if I'm climb if i climbing any stairs.
0: Yeah, and it's really great that Apple actually... I don't know if the Samsung does it, but it's really great that they actually thought of people using wheelchairs instead of just making it of how many steps you take. Or, you know, so, like, they actually thought, well, there are people that are actually there, pushing and not walking, so...
1: There was a bug in... I consider it a bug because, mm-hmm. well, uh, it doesn't. This this function does not perform as it's supposed to. Um, one of my the same friend I was talking about mm-hmm. in Canada. He's got a te- he had a, a TechWatch Pro a TechWatch Pro three mm-hmm. and the software for it is supposed to track wheelchair pushes mm-hmm. and instead of it tracking that it's acting like it's tracking step counts and so I don't know if this was a problem with the it sounds to me like it's a problem in the software and hopefully uh, somebody from Google's dev team watches this video (laughs) and actually uh, gets on it and fixes that on future releases of the watch OS for the Android right or android you know google's watch os software right yeah definitely my it background also you know i was able to take classes at a uh, trade school that focused very heavily on you know on it this is uh asher college formerly tech skills of california
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was able to go through that, complete it, graduate, and I ended up holding down a job at the College of Adaptive Arts, which is a local nonprofit that works with uh, people with special needs. Basically, giving a, a, a that gives them a model for lifelong education.
0: Right.
1: And. I got out of that position back in uh, April 2019 as I was getting to a point where I, you know, they weren't going to be able to keep me on for very many hours. And the amount of hours they were giving me was really not going to pay the bills. Right. So now my next goal is to work on getting my bachelor's degree in IT with a concentration in cybersecurity.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so did you have, so what did you get? You got a certificate from, um, the, (coughs) from the trades? I would
1: say it's, yeah, it's more of a, it actually looks more of like a, more like a diploma itself. I mean, and I remember the day I went and, you know, I went to, you know, go for that ceremony. It was so amazing. And then after, you know, just that accomplishment, that feeling of accomplishment of, hey, I did this. I can do it again. You know, I can I can totally do this. It, it feels, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, no, that's totally amazing. And, oh, go ahead. So I was just wondering, do you think after you get your, you know, your bachelor's, in that uh, field, do you think that you'll have any obstacles getting the job because you're blind? Or do you think, what do you think about, what do you think will be your obstacles in that world as far as that goes?
1: Honestly, um, I'm noticing that a lot of people in IT are, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that are in the IT field are not, from this country and not really familiar with how people with disabilities do stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I find that giving, you know, having those teachable moments, having those moments where I can say, oh, okay. So, you know, I, I, I honestly would love to, to, you know, in a non-production environment, sit down with somebody who is let's say they're interviewing me and they're wanting to know how I'm gonna do this how I do this or that I uh, I'd love to actually sit down with an employee with that person that is looking to hire me and say okay so here's how I go here's how I do this or here's how I do that on the computer Um, as well as knowing the skills um, having those soft skills, having being able to talk to people and being able to to, you know, I will admit I'm not the best at taking something that's technical and and bringing it down to a level uh, to someone who is not a techie by by nature they're not
0: you can't that you, you can't layman it down or. Dumb it down it's, or whatever you want to call
1: it. <laughs> it's not a strong suit for right. me, but I mean, it's one of them, one of those things I'm really trying to work on in mm-hmm. terms of, oh, okay, so this is how I, this is how you do this or this is how you do that. Right. And even associating different things in the technical world with something that's not a technical control or not a technical thing. You know? Right. So, um, I really feel like, um, a lot of cultures outside of our culture here in the States, um, need to have make that shift to where they can embrace the fact that somebody with a disability can be independent. You go to some places, I'm not sure how true this is nowadays, but it used to be that you went to some places and if you had a disability or if you were born in that country and had a disability, most people with disabilities were out on the streets, you know, asking people for money. And I'm thinking, this is not how somebody with a disability should be living.
0: Yeah, I totally
1: agree.
0: Yeah, you know, I I went to, you know, I'm Indian. I don't know if you know I'm Indian, Mm -hmm. but I'm Indian. And maybe Mm -hmm. from my name you could tell. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But anyway, I'm Indian, and I would go to India a lot when I was... Uh, a kid and like a lot of the people banging in the streets were like, I remember one time I literally saw a man that was just a torso. He didn't have any arms or any legs and he had just had a bucket around his neck and he was rolling down the street and, you know, like just seeing that as a kid, I was like, Oh my God, what is this? Yeah. I was just like totally in awe. And, and then And then like now as an adult, I think about it, I'm like, because in India, like they would be really freaked. They would never let me or my brother walk by ourselves. They always like, you know, I always had to have an uncle or people that were working for my family, like kind of accompanying us. So nothing, you know, they were always afraid something was going to happen. And and I don't know if this is a wives tale or if this was true, but. Um, as a kid they would tell me yeah you know a lot of times they kidnap people and will do things like chop off their arm or their leg because it increased you know you get more money when you don't have an arm or a leg and this person was their torso so I thought like someone must have brought him there put a bucket around his neck and just was like roll down the sidewalk and beg for money I don't really know if that's what happened but you know now as an adult it's still like something kind of burned into my mind like as a image I saw so so like um so yeah I, I do still think about that I'm like someone must have, actually have done that
1: a a friend that I met on one of the audio games I play, mm-hmm. online audio games that I play, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> she herself is visually impaired mm-hmm. and for the longest time she was uh, a school teacher until she, in her home country, until she uh, ended up suffering a spinal cord injury
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I feel like where are the resources for these people in these other countries so that they can get the necessary help that they need you know that they need and my thing is it's not it's it's not there I mean how do we as people with disabilities living in America go and show people in other countries that We have, we are able to live on our own. We are able to uh, do for ourselves. And like, I'm always wondering, how do we influence that change, that cultural shift? Not only, you know, knocking down the stereotypes here, but at the same time, uh dealing with the stereotypes and or uh you know dealing with these stereotypes in other countries
0: yeah no that's always wondered that that's a good point and i do think in america when we start breaking down our stereotypes i do think that actually does influence other countries but we are the only country with the ada so we're the only country that's actually passed a law for disabled people and we obviously know we need to push that law even more to get more rights so i do feel like we do have an influence on the world straightening I mean, section
1: 504 I, as well
0: yeah and actually um you know i just know just from being indian like i kind of see a lot of like a lot of disabled. You know there's a lot of disabled people in india as well and mm. um i do see i to see the attitudes changing i mean not completely yet because uh, you know in a lot of third world countries people are you know still believe in the religious aspect that oh you must have done something wrong and that's why you have a child mm-hmm. that was born this way or you must have done something wrong that's why like i remember when i had my injury my uncle was like you know in in india astrology is like a huge thing Mm -hmm. and so like when you know all the kids are born the grandparents like do these big huge astrological astrological charts and so my uncle was like there was nothing in your astrological charts about this happening and i was just like oh well maybe there was mm-hmm. and you just didn't realize it that's what it was saying i don't know like i didn't want to be like well because wow. it's a bunch of bs which i don't know i don't know if it's a bunch of bs but i'm like well maybe it was in the astrological charts and you just didn't understand what how it was saying that's what's gonna happen to me
1: mm-hmm. i'd never
0: read the astrological chart so i don't really know so yeah, I, that was kind of my answer to my uncle i
1: personally don't take any to heart because it's like you know
0: well yeah i i, you know, I don't like, see any
1: real truth to it
0: yeah i don't see any truth to that either and i i feel like that's where your spiritual beliefs kind of conflict with the reality is like obviously we know mm-hmm. that god isn't punishing us because of a b or c it's just Mm-hmm. something that happens in life sometimes people are born disabled sometimes people become disabled because right of whatever is going on and it has nothing to do with your you know your spirituality punishing you your spiritual beliefs yes. punishing you somehow for not being the right person or whatever the belief is
1: well and i i you know i'll tell people that, you know, anyone that has a disability and talks to me that, look, you may have CP, you may have you may be a quadriplegic, paraplegic, doesn't really matter. You may not be able to hear, you may not be able to see or you may have any number of learning disabilities. But don't ever Let someone, anyone, ever make you to feel less of a person because of your disability. And because the way I see it is, you know, people with disabilities, they have thoughts, they have feelings, they have uh, desires, they have needs, they have wants just like anyone who is totally able-bodied.
0: Yeah, and, and honestly, Chris, don't you think like the the identity of disa- disability doesn't mean you're not human. It just means you're a disabled human or a human that was born with something that wasn't 100% working, I, I mean, guess. Like, I don't know what the words to use here, but
1: you know what I'm saying. Uh, like I, I said in uh, a chat in the group yesterday I told I told Katrina straight up I said you know if you were going to the same school I was going to I would totally hang out with you like because uh, I feel like and that goes for anybody mm-hmm. if you you know if you went if you had a disability and you went to school the same school I went to or that I was going to That I'm totally going to hang out with you, you know, I'm totally going to be your friend, no question about that. And I honestly, uh, even when it comes to the whole dating thing, it's not going to matter to me what disability you have. Whether you have a disability or a lack thereof. What matters to me is what's in your heart. And if you... You know you want uh, you know, you really want that relationship to work out great let's you know the first you know the big steps communication trust and being able to share share that or show each other respect but also you know being in a relationship should be an uplifting experience doesn't matter what the scope of that relationship is whether it's a friendship whether it's a family you know whether it's part of a family relationship or whether it's you getting together with a partner you know having that having that love having that respect having that uplifting uh Aspect of the relationship where both of you are encouraging each other, both of you are helping each other. I will, I will never forget a quote uh, Amy made in one of our crypt chats where she was telling me that well I, I was mentioning about going to the gym, and she told me she said straight up that if I went to a gym near where she, you know, that she was at, that she totally would help me you know, find where things are. And I'm thinking to myself, that is so awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I totally remember. Amy was just like, I will, I would never leave you, Chris. I would be next to you the entire time, which is really great. But yeah, so, you know, (laughs) I, I, I love Amy for that. She's a very sweet, sweet, sweet lady. Um, But yeah, you're right. It's like, um, and that's, you know, you're, you're a super kind person, Chris, but you know, it's like, the reality is everybody's not uh-huh. as kind as you or me i mean i always like you're mm-hmm. always like, telling me i was like gosh chris i wish i wish everybody was just like you like the i mean <laughs> like we'll shift to the shift to housing because like yesterday we were talking about housing and chris said mm-hmm. that if he was a landlord and he had like a a unit that had a first floor and second floor and someone in a wheelchair really needed access to the first floor that you would actually ask your tenants, hey, would you be willing to move to a second story apartment so this disabled person can live here? And I I think my response to you is like, well, Chris, if only all landlords were like you. (laughs) And we, we had a laugh about that. But oh, yes. yeah, and the reason we had that conversation is because you actually just got into some housing. So, would do you mind yes. talking about that and your process and the success so, you experienced through the after the process?
1: Dealing with, um, you know, the uh, Section Eight system, uh, Housing Choice Voucher Program, it's a totally interesting animal in terms of how it's how everything's done. The thing I found to be a um, problem is you look at you look at you okay you go to look at places that's all well and good but then you submit what's called an RFTA or a, a request to a risk okay. re, yeah a request for tenancy application and once you submit that it gives the housing the housing authority and the prospective landlord uh, the okay to go ahead and negotiate a rental contract um, I don't know maybe it's just how I think but what I would do if if the rules if I was okay. making the rules for this I would say okay submit you can submit uh, like let's say you submit three uh, requests for tenancy applications and of those three um, you you can uh, basically state okay uh, this is my first choice. This is my second choice. This is my third choice. And they, you know, what I would say then is then, okay, we negotiate with these different, um, with these uh, prospective uh, landlords and see what one, you know, is going, which one we're going to be more likely to approve. And then, you you know, of those three, you you get, you know, you one of those will get approved. I think honestly doing something like that actually would make a little more sense because then you're not going around submitting an R, uh, the RFTA uh, packet and it, it not getting approved or, and then have to go ahead and submit another one. I originally thought I was gonna have to submit a second one for, oh, you know, hang on a message, second, for this place. See who that is. Who that was? Yep. Yeah, so I was checking on a um, couple of things on my phone, and as you were hearing, I don't know if, you were, I don't know if my mic was picking it up really well, but my phone actually—and this is a regular phone. The one question I always get.
0: So Chris and I got off track from the discussion about housing to talking about all the different technology he uses to live in the world as a blind person. But we came to the conclusion that this was a whole podcast of its own and that we're gonna do this later.
1: But we kinda I kind of got a little bit off topic here because we were talking about the whole housing thing. And
0: yeah, but that was interesting. Indeed. It was interesting about the technology. We'll just have to do a, another interview just about the technology. Indeed, there's so
1: much. Dealing with the whole housing thing is is really really pretty cool. Like when I went to a place that I'm actually going to be renting, um as I'm walking through a place, I'm literally mapping out, okay, so excuse me here's where I want the bed here's where I want the couch here's where the dining room table is gonna go here's where this is gonna go here's where that's gonna go and I'm totally figuring that stuff out even before the the uh, request for tenancy gets approved and that way it's like okay when on moving day I can basically say okay uh, when you bring the couch up it's going in front of the the two big windows next to the door so or it's going when you bring the bed up it's going uh, near the window but I'm gonna put it just enough away from the window that I can actually stick a, a end tables in and just things like that i mean i
0: yeah i mean i like as you're telling that i'm like thinking th- this is almost like a survival skill in a way because you know because mm-hmm. you don't have your vision you automatically when you go to a place in your brain you're mapping out how you navigate this mm-hmm. place or in this case you're already thinking, okay, this is where the couch is going to go. This is where the bed's going to go. And when I move in, I'm just going to tell people put the couch there, put the bed there and it's done. Right.
1: So you, Indeed.
0: Know, so, you know, it, 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 it's like a survival skill essentially to be mapping things out in your brain. That's true. Right.
1: And, um, the big thing too is having, having that skill, um, I, I get people telling me I've got a photograph memory because like even getting to the new place coming from here, going to the new place, I will be able to tell my friend that's driving, Okay, so go ahead, take a take a left on tenth, take a right on two eighty, uh take two eighty to Saratoga, exit Saratoga left on Williams you know so on and so forth (laughs) because I've memorized this route and I know when I start using Uber and Lyft from there it's going to be I'm going to have to there's a good chance I'm going to end up giving the driver directions to that place that's never been there before
0: right right and so yeah I almost feel like do you think your photographic memory was it developed because you're blind? Or do you think you were just born with a photographic memory? Um, or what do you, what honestly, are your thoughts Honestly,
1: I don't know. Um,
0: yeah, I don't I, think it's,
1: either. Like, I, I feel like, I, like that's a skill that anybody think, can develop.
0: I Yeah, and I think maybe anyone, everybody could have a photographic memory if it's something, you know, I think some people naturally, mm-hmm. like if they're not disabled, it's something that naturally maybe be presenting themselves. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we could practice and develop that photographic moment And for you for you, you had to develop it because of your blindness. Right. So.
1: And that's the thing is you, you you have to really figure out, oh, okay, so here is what I have to do, you know, I have to do this and this and this. You know, to get this done. And, Mm -hmm. like, one of the things I also tell people is that I totally, I will memorize people by their voices. You know, like, I recognize your voice. I recognize Pauline's voice. I recognize uh, Katrina's, Amy's, Vicky's, Mm -hmm. um, Hector's. Anya. Anya. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was because I've heard those voices over a period of time, and I, you know, to the point where I actually, you know, I, I'll memorize those. Now, if I don't hear somebody's voice for a long period of time, then I'm like, okay, I'm trying to recall who this person is. I haven't right. seen them in forever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, first of all, I'm gonna be like, where are the where they've been hiding.
0: <laughs> where their voices been hiding yes.
1: <laughs> or where have they been because
0: yes i know i was just
1: i know <laughs>
0: but yeah. yeah yeah no that's it, it's really interesting to me like like i don't know i i just get really interested in how when we don't have something whether it's walking sight hearing we develop we develop other parts of our bodies to make up for what we don't have. Oh, yes. So I just find that, I find that really interesting, like how we do Oh, that yes.
1: And that totally makes sense. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's actually, there was some scientific thing, some science, some study that was done some time ago with regard to someone... Having sight and losing it, and how does the brain adapt?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I honestly, anybody who is sighted and wants to try, you know, try doing that, I'd say, you know, go for it because what you're going to do, you're going to learn a lot about how. I mean, I kind of figured. Out losing your sight is like if someone who is sighted was in a building and the power went out all the lights gone that's how you that's kind of how I look at it it's just like because you're not getting any uh, feedback like the brain is right. not getting any feedback from the eyes. And so what you're, mm-hmm. you know, I figure, okay, better to memorize your space, memorize your house, where things are. Because if that ever happens and you lose power, you're going to end up knowing, uh, having a better idea of where things are and be able to say oh okay so let me go search around see if i can find the flashlight oh here's the flashlights here's this here's that (laughs) okay i'm in this part of the house or you get up in the middle of the night it's dark you don't want to flip a light on so you turn around and you are like oh okay so i go out of the bedroom and make a left here's the here's the living room, or here's the bathroom, or here's the kitchen. And you're like that, just being able to do that, to have that skill that you can work around your own space is something totally, totally awesome. I mean, if someone closed their eyes or put on, a a a blindfold of some sort, and did that for a day. I'm wondering mm-hmm. what they would pick up on without having that feedback from the uh, from their visual the visual part of the brain, the visual cortex.
0: Yeah. No. It-
1: there are times I've actually spoken to um, school age children. And mm-hmm. you know about what it's like to be blind and how we go through life. And I'll have I'll have thing, I'll visual aids like I'll have uh, I'll have a braille writer set up, I'll have canes and stuff that I can actually, you know, let people see what it's you know, how I get around when I'm actually out in the community. And I got so much positive feedback out of it that it's just, it really uh, makes me want to do more stuff like that. And although I thought about, you know, even having people come up to actually, you know, like having them come up to the front of the class and actually uh, hold, you know, the cane and with my with my guidance, actually be able to see how it's used so that they get a better feel for it. I feel like we... uh, I like what Carmen said yesterday, where she took the braces off and showed the students in her class, you know, her peers, what, um, what she deals with what she has to deal with and I to me that just seems like she got a lot more respect from from her peers because they see her for you know they see her as another person even Mm -hmm. with her disability
0: yeah no I when she told that story I was just like oh my gosh this is Mm -hmm. so great and then it made me think what you know, I you know, like I always say, I want to break the stereotypes of disability. That's kind of my DIY. Mm-hmm. I like that, and I yeah, <laughs> and I, I always like think, like, this is kind of the way to do it is for disabled people to be like, Yeah, my wheelchair, this is what I do, my walking cane, this is how I use mm-hmm. it. It's not scary, it's not a big deal, oh, no. it's just something I need to exactly. live life. So, I just think once we start breaking those barriers of telling, not being kind of ashamed to Mm -hmm. tell and being afraid to ask, like, if we can overcome those issues, like how, how much better would it be, like, to break those stereotypes? Oh, yes. Essentially. So So, yeah. Yeah, no, I love Carmen's story. I was like, (laughs) but time, it's Four fifteen here. It's <laughs> one fifteen where you are. Yes. And I'm gonna yes. sign off now because you gotta go get ready to sign a lease to a new place. Woo And I'm I'm so excited for you.
1: Hopefully everything is all totally set up by the time the next Crip chat happens, because then you guys will yeah, be able to see yeah, the definitely. new place. Yeah, and...
0: yeah, that'll be. Indeed, so great. it'll be awesome. I'm so excited. Thanks so much, Chris, for doing that with this with me. Um, I you know, I really just want to show that disabled people live life like everyone else and Exactly. You know how we do it. Exactly. So so I really appreciate you sharing your story and your experiences. It's really uh, great. So thanks. No so problem much. at
1: all. It's great. I enjoy it.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of This Crip Life. If you like what you hear, please consider donating at DIYAble.com. And remember, disabled people are people.